Let's do it here. Another edition of Goss on the go. All the sports talk you need from the week in less than 40 minutes. And it happens because of our great sponsors like Johnstone Supply in Troy. They're ready to help you. The frigid winter is officially here. It's January. We waited long enough. It's finally here. But now it's more important than ever to make sure your furnace or your boilers are ready to handle that extra workload coming this winter. What happens, by the way, if it breaks down? Who are you going to call Ghostbuster-style, man? You're going to call Johnstone Supply in Troy so they can give you the best advice to handle that situation. They're number 518-272-5922. Write that number down. Tell your family, tell your friends, the people that are important in your life that might have a situation like this coming in the winter to call Johnstone Supply in Troy. 518-272-5922. Just save it in your phone is furnace boiler place podcast johnstone supply in troy the crew there will give you the advice you need to get out of that dilemma and find the best solution you're already ready to make those changes too by the way this winter maybe johnstone supply in troy i know they can do this for you they can help you find that high efficient goodman furnace a new boiler as well stop into sixth avenue to learn more about what johnstone supply in troy can do for you helping people in the capital region upstate new york for decades they're looking to help you as well one more time for that number 518-272-5922. And do us a favor. When you call that number, hit two. So you go right to the counter with our guys, Tom and Kevin, James, Rob, whoever it might be. Say, hey, I was listening to Goss on the Go. He was talking about all these things coming up this winter. Help me out, guys. I know you love the podcast. I know Goss is a big fan of you guys. Help me out here, man. The winner is officially here. It's Johnstone Supply and Troy helping you through this winter, updating all the things you need for your home. 518 272 5922. And our friends over at Mohawk Honda, when you're listening to this podcast, it could be Thursday where we're broadcasting live from Mohawk Honda right there in Glenville, 4 to 530, Levac and Gaz. So you get a little double me this week. Levac and Gaz here on a Thursday coming up, 4 to 530 at Mohawk Honda, one of our favorite places. Selection, inventory, those are the things you're looking for in 2022. A new vehicle, a new year. So maybe it's going to be a new you. 2022 starts off right this month with you in a new ride. It's happening for me. Pilot coming 2022. Cannot wait to see that new vehicle. I'm excited to have it hanging out in the drive. I've loved my past one. Cannot wait to continue to have this new one in my life. Budget, efficient, all the things you want. Fit in your lifestyle and more. Mohawk Honda wants to work with you. People that you can trust can't wait to say hello. Maybe a big old hug, a COVID-safe fist pump, whatever it might be for my guy Greg Johnson and Lindsey Harden, the McKenna's Cam, and Brian McKenna, MJ, John and Service. I could go on and on about all the great people there. Hot Sauce Doyle and more. The VIP man Morales. All happening at Mohawk Honda. You're looking for that new car. Work with people you can trust during the car buying experience. Mohawk Honda right there on Freeman's Bridge Road in Glenville where they always go out of their way to please you. Now, let's talk about some sports talk. Let's get into it. Dem dog, Spurrier, you think visors are cool? Go back and watch that old video. Posted that on social media. The Georgia Bulldogs national champions. I'm not going to recap the game with you. It was on Monday. You might have watched it already. Maybe you watched it on replay if you're a Georgia fan. You know the Bulldogs are national champions. The first time since 1980 they were able to do that. It's really cool to see that program with Kirby Smart getting so close so many times before now getting the revenge against Nick Saban. The real story of that national championship game is how great it was for the sport of college football. How often over these course of these last few weeks, and you can go back to the COVID season of 2020 where people questioned the integrity 
if you want to call it that, of college football. Was there actually schools and conferences rigging games for certain programs, right? And how the hell did Ohio State get into the Big Ten championship game in 2020? How did all these SEC teams get the benefit of the down to get into the college football playoff? Why do we always seem to have these traditional powers being the schools competing? The Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, the Notre Dames. Can't we get some new blood, some new faces, some new teams in there? And sure enough, we got this, this college football season and Georgia wins the championship. How differently, even if you're a diehard college football fan, would you have viewed college football at the FBS level if Alabama won again? Sure, dynasties for some people are cool. You look back from your childhood and say, that team's the best team of all time. That's the best program of all time. I got to see it in my lifetime, and what a time to be alive as a fan of the sport. But college football has rested on these laurels of, we have the best regular season. Nobody cares more each week about each game than the college football season. It is one of the worst cliches that continues to be said in sports because it's not true. You have the football playoff. That's great. But do you care about a 9-4 and four team? A better example, a 7-4 and four team playing against an 8-3 team? It doesn't matter what the schools are. You might not care because it's the battle between the bowls. And like Kirk Herbstreit and Desmond Howard and David Pollock try to defend themselves, players don't love football as much anymore. That's why they don't play in the bowl games. Of course, that's way off base. But I bring up that point because, no, some of these games aren't as important as they think the college football purists do because the playoffs not expanded. How much really irrelevant would games feel as if, oh, it's Alabama again? And some people will still think that. Like, that's the thing about college football. No matter what the result is, Alabama lost to Texas A&M. And some people joked around and said, aren't they now the number one team in the country? Even though Texas A&M had lost games, people wondered about Alabama. But the sport of college football, now you can go back on a Saturday and say, okay, maybe somebody can beat Bama. Maybe somebody can beat Georgia. Maybe the name, image, and likeness thing will have players from Texas A&M and Oregon, all these other schools compete against the big dogs, pun intended here. To find a new college football power. To find a new college football competitor. That's what's great for the sports. That's what makes the regular season more important. Is if that happens. There was a feeling at the end of that Georgia game. And think about this. No matter what sports you watch the most closely. That celebration was different for Georgia. You see professional athletes celebrate. It's more about the storyline and the legacies of those athletes. But they are professionals, and they get money no matter when they win or lose. The college ranks, we've seen these big-time powers win. The Dukes, the North Carolinas, the Alabamas, the Clemsons. It almost seems as if those players expected that to happen because of where they signed. That feeling wasn't there for Georgia. Georgia felt like, can we just finally get over the hump? Can we be the school that actually does this and wins the championship? They did. By double digits. The game was closer than the score reflected, but that's what this game was more about. Not about whether or not the Georgia is going to continue to win four to five to six national It's not about that. It's about now that if a college football program built itself up, if you're looking for an entertaining game on a Saturday, you might find another school in the mix. We had Alabama and Clemson for so long. But isn't it cool to have another school? Because it gives hope whether the conference is the SEC or somebody else that if you stay the course, if you continue to be in the mix, 
you can break through. That's what the national championship game was about. Two of the best in college football and redefining what we think is the best in that sport. The New York Giants this week have fired both GM Dave Gettleman. Okay, okay. Retired. Dave Gettleman decided to retire. And then the following day, they fired their head coach, Joe Judge. The Giants have been a mess since 2015. I know there's a playoff season squeezed in there that the boat photo with everybody, Trey Songs and Odell Beckham Jr., which has been blown up and all it does is people just bring it back to see what the record is since that photo. But the New York Giants have been a mess for close to now a half decade. It looks at times Giants fans that New York's playing a different sport than everybody else because they don't have an impact quarterback, a playmaking wide receiver, a standout on defense. We thought Saquon Barkley would be that skill all pro can't miss running back, but he has not been the same player since he bounced back from a few injuries. And else somebody could say it's not Saquon's fault. It's the offensive line's fault. I've heard that for like five years. You could say it's the scheme of the defenses against the Giants. Okay. Well, you eventually got to figure that out, too, and come up with a new scheme. Look, it goes way further back than this. Like, Since I've moved out to Albany, and this is a little different for upstate New York fans, the Giants were perceived to be the team here in Albany. I would argue it's the Yankees that more Capital Region sports fans care about the Yankees than the Giants, and I felt that firsthand from the audience we've had. But Giants fans, this is the team we followed so close here in the Capital Region. And you've heard the storylines. You can go all the way back to the Eli Apple drama, calling people out in the locker room to Ben McAdoo, to Odell Beckham Jr. You could pinpoint this moment, though. They might have changed the way, nationally, people viewed the New York Giants. And that was the benching of Eli Manning. That Eli Manning goes to the bench for G- Geno Smith. That happened in real life. Not even Davis Webb. God, for the people who are calling for Davis Webb to be the future of the Giants. How bizarre of a world that was back then. How hot of the takes those were. But since then, the Giants haven't been the same on a national perspective. Head coach after head coach not working. From Ben McAdoo to Pat Sherman to now Joe Judge. No offense, no competition. Looking like a team that has nowhere close and nowhere of a future. And John Mara just yesterday, refusing to let outlets in New York air the press conference. He said it's the most embarrassed he's ever been as the owner of the Giants. Here's what's happening with the Giants. The Giants are living in the past. The New York Giants are trying to run a team in 2022 like they ran a team in 1982. Like they ran a team in 1992. Sign guys with character and class and who do it the right way. And all those things are important. I'm not trying to undermine those things. But what the New York Giants used to be able to do is to find these athletes, find these players, find a great coaching staff, and that would be enough. And they were proud of the players that put on the blue. But what's happened is football's developed around them. Dave Gettleman was an old school guy. Tom Coughlin was an old school guy. And there are parts of the old school game that can still work in this new age. But what happens with these old school guys is they get stubborn. They say, this is the way we do it. I've been successful doing it this way. I'm going to take that same attitude and approach into 2020 and 2021. You can't do that. It's a different world in the NFL now with mobile quarterbacks and four and five wide sets and linebackers really being defensive ends and inside guys and quarterbacks being able to move all over the place on defense. It is a different sport now with football. 
So bringing back these guys who have built up these resumes of 10 and 20 years and finding out how they did it in the past and work, that's not happening now. Look at all these other teams that have been able to take it to the top. The Buffalo Bills changed the way they did it. They brought in a GM and a head coach, and they started from the draft and built their way up. Same goes for a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, as you say, guys, it's easy. They're finding these quarterbacks. They're making it happen. But some teams were bold, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and just went after it in free agency. The Miami Dolphins seem to be on that same path, too, but they let Brian Flores go. Giant fan, it's been time after time since Tom Coughlin that this franchise hasn't worked. They brought in the wrong guy. They brought in the wrong pieces. They didn't know what they were doing. And I don't know if the future feels better for the Giants. It would be great to tell us that the Giants are going to be competitive in the future, but they have so far to go. With the Dallas Cowboys looking so good. With the Philadelphia Eagles as a playoff team already this season, it's stacked with draft picks in 2022. The Giants might be the worst team in the NFL next season. Are they going to stick with Daniel Jones? Why? Because Dave Gettleman drafted him and I don't think they can find anybody better? Wouldn't you think the new GM and the new head coach would want somebody else? How bad of a mistake that was? Is Saquon Barkley going to be back for the Giants next season? Why? When history is going to tell us that the Giants at that number two spot and Jordan Rodon will scream this from the rooftops, the ESPN reporter, that it could have been Josh Allen, it could have been Lamar Jackson? That's why. Now thinking back at that draft class and how we evaluated players, that's the history that's going to be left there. But the New York Giants are so far from being competitive again. And also, i, I got to add this other thing, too. Because this has been the most interesting, fascinating, bizarre thing that's happened for the Giants. Since we've been covering, you've been listening to New York-centric, down-in-the-city-style sports, which is a huge fan base again here in the Capital Region for sure, and maybe you listen across upstate New York. This story of how the national media viewed Joe Judge versus how the New York local media viewed Joe Judge is completely off, maybe further away than any other sports story I can remember since 2015. Because I already told you what nationally it feels like, and you might already agree with that, that Joe Judge wanted to be a Bill Belichick. He's a wannabe. What did Belichick do? I'm going to be that. Exactly what Belichick is. Follow his footsteps, special teams guy, work my way up, rah, rah, rah. He wasn't that. But the New York media said it's a great leader, a bad fit, a bad roster, a bad GM. Joe Judge will be a great coach somewhere else. Why is the New York media on Joe Judge's side? Do they just like the guy? Do they despise Dave Gettleman? Are the mayors just continuing to feed the local media outlets there? Content and money and they don't want to criticize the mayors? Blown away by how the New York local media treated the Joe Judge firing, that he shouldn't have been fired and the Giants had to only blame themselves. The guy took that third down play against Washington. Will never, I can never wash that away of how horrendously dumb that play was. So Giants fans, I, I could sit here and tell you who the new coach is going to be, who the new GM is going to be. Listen to our Mohawk Honda show coming up on LeVac and Goss. And I'll give you those candidates there. But the Giants seem like they're in a different world, a different planet. They're trying to scout out the best player in 2002 and don't realize these teams they're competing against are 20 to 30 years ahead of them. Massive news coming out of the Capital Region this week and across upstate New York. Think about this. You, Albany, and Siena are now back, set for the rivalry to return in 2022 for the men's basketball programs. 2022 at MVP Arena, 2023 at the home of the Great Danes at SefQ Arena, and then 2024 back at the MVP Arena. Five years has Ralph Reed gone away. Just to add some context here for some people who live outside of the Capital Region, why did it go away? Perceived in the media, a back and forth between UAlbany and Siena. 
UAlbany wanted more home games because they considered it, and it is, a rivalry where you play back and forth. One game here, one game there. One game here, one game there. Siena didn't think it was that way. They had a bigger arena. They felt like the program may have had more prestige, and UAlbany should come to them. That's why it stopped. Now, UAlbany has won far more games in the rivalry than Siena. Now, some would perceive here in the Capital Region the reason Siena didn't want to do it anymore was because UAlbany was beating them. A great Dane alum might try to consider that the reason. And Siena might say, the reason we stopped playing is we don't need to play him. Why would we have to play UAlbany? Now, things have changed here over the last few years because of COVID. You might just want a bigger audience, connect with the communities, and have something to get hyped about, something excited about here in the Capital Region. I truly believe this. With no disrespect to the shoes game, with no disrespect to RPI versus Union or anything that happens on the ice, UAlbany and Siena basketball has the potential to be the best rivalry in New York State. I'm serious. Like the best rivalry in New York State. Think about the best rivalries in New York. There's really not a lot. The professional level, do you consider the Jets and Giants rivals? I mean, they play in the preseason, but they're in different conferences, so that one doesn't work. The Mets and Yankees, again, different leagues. It's cool, the Subway Series, but you really don't get it that often. Rivals might be a stretch. Islanders and Rangers? Some people, but that's when you think about New York rivalries, is it the first one that comes to mind? Yeah. Nets and Knicks? You would think by 2022 that that would have more heat with the impact players and the stars. That doesn't jump out to me. And also, professional sports is tough for rivalries because the passion and the constant moving of athletes from city to city maybe doesn't have that same type of feeling towards a rivalry in professional ranks. Okay. What about the college ranks? Who is Syracuse basketball's biggest rival in New York? Like, it would be Georgetown or UConn, but that's not New York. Same with football. Is Syracuse football's biggest rival West Virginia? Uh, yeah, West Virginia would say Pitt is in the backyard brawl. Is it Pitt? There's not a game that every single year you're going to you see looked at as that's the game. See, it's in Ohio State, Michigan, Navy, Army, never like that on the Syracuse football schedule. Union and RPI is a great rivalry, but that's at the Division Three level. No shot to them. St. John Fisher and Rochester, that was a great rivalry. The, the cup they had out there, the celebration. But again, no disrespect to D3. Cortland and Ithaca. There you go. That's actually the winner. With all that D3 love, Cortland and Ithaca is the winner of the best in-state New York athletic rivalry. The Cortica Jug. That's the best one. Now, here's why UAlbany and Siena could be the best. Because it is two Division I programs. Two teams that have played in the NCAA tournament before. Basketball in the city of Albany where these two teams can represent. You can go and battle for the same recruits. Battle for the upstate New York kids. Personalities like Coach Killians and Coach Carm. You want to see this happen, that you get to see an actually in-city rivalry get people excited. The alumni bases come out and support the teams. It's almost confusing to talk about this in January 2022 and sell it like I just did because I believe in it, of how the hell this wasn't happening before. The idea that this has been gone for five years and now is back should be celebrated for sure, but it never should have left. It should have continued to be this great rivalry, and each year it should be hyped up as the biggest thing to happen here in the Capital Region. To have two teams, two neighboring schools, battling on the court in a non-conference game, this should always be a Saturday night ESPN game. 
The Capital Region should like this up is the biggest deal in the city that week in that year for what it means for the programs. For the MAC overall as a conference, the America East overall as a conference, outside of the Capital Region, people would struggle to name the opponents you play each week. But they won't struggle to find out how cool you all be in Siena is. How cool would it be if somebody from Herkimer or Canastota or Verona traveled in for the game because it's that big of a deal? Hell, if that happens for Ithaca and Cortland, people from way outside of those areas travel in to see the Cortica Junk. Do people travel in for the Shoes game? Do people travel in for Syracuse, West Virginia? The high school level, the best rivalries out in Buffalo. No shot to the Bills or the Sabres, but the best rivalries out in Western New York happen in high school. TNT Week, Tonawanda versus North Tonawanda. The private schools, the Catholic schools out in Buffalo, that's where the rivalries are in the Western New York area. But this, UAlbany and Siena, both programs get good and they're rebuilding right now. They're trying to find the recruits, but if they're good and they're competitive and they're recruiting, with the future of college basketball, how different it might look when Jim Beheim retires from Syracuse. I'm so excited for the future of the Albany Cup, and I hope it can live up to the hype, and I hope it ends up being the best rivalry in New York. If the NFL playoffs kick off this weekend, we got Saturday night, we got Sunday all the way from 1 o'clock, by the way, 11.30 to 1 o'clock, join us for the hideaway before my Buccaneers take on the Eagles, and we got Monday night football between the Cardinals and the Rams. Now, you've listened probably to a few guys on the goes before. You know I'm a little stubborn, a lot stubborn when it comes to these preseason predictions that if I call a team in the preseason, I'm not going to ever get off of that until I actually watch it end triple zero on the clock. So my Super Bowl prediction remains the same. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers get back to the Super Bowl, this time out in California, and they're going to take on the Buffalo Bills. Bucks bills Super Bowl remains intact. Now, someone's going to ask, guys, if you weren't so stubborn, would you actually still pick the Bucks and the Bills? And the answer is yes. I still would pick Bucks and Bills as a Super Bowl, and here's why. Let's look at the matchups. Coaches love to do this. You hear this all the time, way more in March Madness than you do in the actual playoffs of professional sports, that it's not about the seeding. It's about the matchups. We'll start with the Buccaneers first. They get the Eagles. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been really good at times, and the rushing attack of the Eagles has been historically good. But the Buccaneers have been fine against the run. It's been more about the pass and the constant injuries. Can the receivers actually be flat out good enough to beat Tampa? Can the Philadelphia Eagle defense stop Tom Brady? I know they did it in the Super Bowl. My guy Bryce from Sports with the Zenit sent me the gif. 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 He sent me that. And maybe, quite possibly, Tom Brady could have a bad game in the playoffs. I don't think so. So I like that matchup. Having Tom Brady is always an advantage. You flip it to the other side of the Buffalo Bills could a team they played three times this season in New England. The first game, Bills fans would argue they should have won that game. If weather wasn't a factor in the bizarre play calling or lack thereof of New England and the weird press conference that followed with Jordan Poyer, maybe Buffalo wins that game. So they get New England again. A little pause there. Isn't that who they want? Do they want New England? Isn't the storyline too good for a Saturday night Buffalo taking down Belichick? So then you flip it over, okay? Let's say Tampa wins and Buffalo wins. Green Bay will play the highest remaining seed left. Again, lowest and highest. I'm talking about the highest number, lowest on the bracket. So let's just for the sake of the conversation say all the favorites win. That means Green Bay would play the four seed 
which would be L.A. It's a pretty tough matchup. On the flip side, Tennessee, let's say all the favorites win, would then get Cincinnati. And Buffalo would flip around and get Kansas City. Buffalo, we're going to start with you on this one. Isn't that why this roster is built? Buffalo built the roster to beat Kansas City. That's it. The reason they stayed away from a running back, the reason this roster is what it is, is to beat Cincinnati. And they smacked the Chiefs around earlier this season. You could mention the weather delay and everything else. They smacked Kansas City. For Tampa, on the other end, they get the Cowboys, and they already beat Dallas. Now, a Cowboy fan would argue they got robbed in that game. Uh, I don't feel very good about that game if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but you get them a second time. You kind of know what you did wrong in that first matchup. You hope that things will be better for Tampa, and they won the game, and that's what matters the most in the end of it. That Tampa walked away with a victory, and they're playing a team they beat before. Okay, cool. So now whatever the title game ends up being, let's just for the sake of this conversation say the one seeds advance. Let's say it's Buffalo versus Tennessee, and let's say it's Tampa versus Green Bay again in the NFC title game. Tampa smacked Green Bay twice last season. Twice! Why can't they do it a third time? People are going to have Tampa as the underdog, and then it's Aaron Rodgers' moment, Matt LaFleur came back for the blah, blah, blah. Tampa will beat him again. Those are all the matchups. Look, Tampa's road to the Super Bowl is not as easy as it was last season where they get the Saints a third time, arguably the worst playoff team of all time in Washington, a Green Bay team they beat by three touchdowns. Won't be that easy. It's a pretty good road. And for Buffalo, you get a team you already beat this season. You play Tennessee somewhere in that bracket. AFC title game, a team you lost to by three. And a team in Kansas City, you beat by 18. The paths are there for the Bucks and the Bills. Lock it in. Go wager it on DraftKings. Put the future totals in. My picks are not changing because of the path that is sitting in front of both Tampa and Buffalo. But it starts this week. You both got to win. Oh, a little tease to the weekend wagers. I'll keep these out. Money lines all day. Let's roll, baby. Bucks, Bills, money line to keep rolling it until the Super Bowl. I'm bummed, man. I am a little bummed that I cannot watch this guy in person. You want to talk about the pride of upstate New York. Albany, New York. I know he's from Puerto Rico. I know he's got a lot for Puerto Rico, no doubt. But Abraham Supernova, if you haven't seen this boxer yet, He's that dude with the big, thick, blonde beard, dyed Slim Shady style, undefeated Abraham Nova. How about 19-0 going for 20-0? And I said I was disappointed and said I couldn't see him fight in person because he's back at the Turning Stone Casino and Resort going for 20-0. You've heard probably stories before in LeVac and Gaz episodes in here. Uh, Gaz on the go, getting there with Gaz. One of my favorite things used to be covering the fights at Turning Stone. They had not had a live fight in two years pre-COVID. It's happening. Why am I going for the fights? I want to enjoy the NFL action. Man, if you pushed this to like February, I would have been there. But I want—I can't miss Bill's Patriots. I got to watch that. It's a great event. Bengals Raiders. I got to see this stuff. Hideaway on Sunday. Can't be out in Verona ripping it up. But do yourself a favor. Somehow, someway, hit the DVR, sneak it on. It's on ESPN. Watch it on ESPN Plus maybe Sunday morning and watch Abraham Nova go. He's got it, right? The, the charisma, the fighter stuff that I want, the personality, the, oh, I know who that is. The fact that he said the guy with the blonde beard catches somebody's attention quick enough, that's what Abraham Nova has. 
That's what you want him to have. The problem with him, like any other fighter, is how COVID has affected his career. Being out of the ring that long and not getting the reps of the opponents and the matchups you wanted to get really makes you re-question exactly what you want. But besides the huge names like Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, do you have a favorite boxer? Do you have a favorite fighter? You might have a favorite MMA star, but you don't maybe have a favorite boxer. Here's your guy. New York connection, undefeated, fighting in New York on a primetime ESPN spot. Shout out to Abraham Nova. Next time you're fighting, man, can we get him to like... Pack the Times Union Center. Oh, there's a fine. Pack the MVP Arena. That's what I like to see. Entertaining, exciting. Good luck to Abraham Nova, and I cannot wait to see him fight in person. And maybe by the end of 2022, would we talk about the athletes who had the best 2022? Ryan McCarthy from No Credentials Required did this. Why can't we start having Abraham Nova in that conversation? Is he six months away, nine months away from a title fight? We'll soon find out. Go Supernova. The forbidden door is the term that's taking off in the professional wrestling world this week. Ooh, ah, what's the forbidden door? The forbidden door is basically for the casual wrestling fan to the non-wrestling fan, what you dreamed of. Think about this. When you were a kid, didn't you ever have the dream of what would it be like if Stone Cold Steve Austin went against Goldberg or Sting went up against The Undertaker? Even into the early 2000s and the mid-2010s, there were still the dreams of what, like, if AJ Styles or Samoa Joe or Kevin Steen, they eventually all came to the WWE. And we got the CM Punks and the Daniel Bryans. These people who are internet darlings, indie stars, all that stuff, Triple H and NXT and other ways to look at it, eventually made a lot of those dream matchups happen. But we never got the cross-brand promotion. I bring this up because of what's been happening with AEW. If you've been following it, you know, like Impact comes over and Ring of Honor is now has free agents. The Briscoe Brothers and other few names might be jumping here or there. But for the first time that I can ever remember, besides a documentary with Kurt Angle, that Mickey James, who should be a WWE Hall of Famer, take that statement for whatever in the hell that means, which means he had a great career, but the credentials to get in is just made up was referenced as the Impact Knockout World Champion. The WWE mentioned another promotion intentionally to promote how good a wrestler was. Now, you might have heard in the past a WCW reference or an AEW reference, but this was in part to tell you how good somebody was for you to care about the event. What does that mean for the future of the WWE? Are we going to see this more? At the Royal Rumble this year, are we going to hear some of the names that have been floated around about potentially coming to the WWE that are actually going to come? And hell, could in the future we actually see, rather than AEW and the WWE competing against one another, them combining? Is Tony Khan going to one day buy the WWE? Is Nick Khan going to sell to Tony Khan? How many cons are involved? What about Shad Khan? He needs a new coach for the Jacks still. It's interesting what's happening now. Never in my lifetime did I think that wrestling promotions would just be fine. We're no longer competing. We're all in this together. Kumbaya. Can you imagine Vince McMahon with his legs crossed, swinging back and forth, standing up? Never. But there's this term that's really important. It's important in a lot of things, whether it's music with hip-hop rappers or sports talk host or professional wrestling. There's a term called market confusion. That means when someone thinks of pro wrestling, pop, the WWE is the first thing that comes to mind. 
When you think of a white rapper, poop, Eminem. Female rapper, Nicki Minaj. You never want anybody else to think about something else in that genre, in that class, or else it confuses people. That's been the WWE's mindset forever. Never even let your fans even know about another professional wrestling company because they might go there and say, ooh, hey, I like this product better. That's what I find the most fascinating about what's going to happen here for the Rumble, that Mickey James is in it, and if we're going to see any other entries like that in the men's side, the forbidden door has already been opened in AEW. Is it slowly being pushed in the WWE? There has never been more pressure to get this right. The weekend wagers, the stuff we're wagering on this week. By the way, shout out to DraftKings. If you're listening to the weekend wagers, promo code 518. Tell your friends. Sign up with your significant other. Get that fiance, the wife. Just, hey, hey, honey, real quick. Hey, babe, let me just type this in. Help out my guy, guys. 518 promo code. Really helpful, especially this upcoming week. They're going to have some really cool things involved in the NFL. Maybe five bucks for 280. More cool things on the way. Shout out to DraftKings. Promo code 518. Weekend wagers. Now that mobile betting is legal, we give love to ways in which you can save money. And that's Jared Lozier at Northeastern Insurance. 518-956-3753. 518-956-3753. Think about this. Maybe you're about to win a wager. You see it. You hit the account. And you're like, okay. I got some extra cash. Let's see if I can make some extra cash somewhere else this year by saving on the things that are important to me, your insurance rates, your car, your home, your business, whatever it might be, the things that are the most important in your life, you can save cash. You don't even know this. Who's going to shout the quotes for you? You're going to have time to shout the quotes? Don't do that. Have Jared do it for you. Email him today. I won money on a 14 parlay. Save me money. Make that as the title of the email. J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. Jared Lozier helping you save some cash thanks to Northeastern Insurance. Shopping quotes for you, our guy Jared at Northeastern Insurance. All right, the pressure's on. You might have your phone out right now. You might have Zoomed to the start of this part of the podcast to find out what I'm wagering. Here we go. We're going to start on Thursday. How about a three-team money line parlay in hockey? Shout out to the NHL. It feels like there's more fans than ever now for hockey just because it's out there to wager on here in January. Uh, heavy favorites. Lightning. Kucherov coming off the hat trick. So give me the Lightning. Wish I had him on my fantasy hockey team. Ugh, okay. The Predators. The Sabres are horrendous. And the Calgary Flames because the Senators are also horrendous. So give me the Flames at home, the Predators at home, the Lightning at home. So huge favorites. But that ends up at plus 166. So if you bet... I'm going to do $3. Wow, big spender there, guys. But $3 gives me 8 So plus 166, take that for what it is. So there you go. There's your hockey parlay there. I already told you my NFL moves. I'm going Bills and Buccaneers money line. Bills and Bucks money line. Uh, you're looking at about minus 109, depending on when you hit this. You might get about even money. So I already told you, Bucks, Bills, money line, my NFL play. Not touching spreads because I've already got a future wager on those teams. Once one of those teams is out, which I don't think they will be, then we'll figure out what to do with spreads. But because I have a future wager, not really touching a lot of the other games after that. And these last three are so super specific that they might not even hit. But this is something that you're goofing around on your phone. Just remember this. All right, God said these three plays. John Morant has a Friday night game coming up against Dallas. It's in ESPN primetime. So... You get John Morant 
on a weekend game coming off the hype, the upset victory, and how well he played against Golden State. So you get John Morant in that game. If it's 27 and a half under, 27 and a half, like right around 22, 24, him versus Luka, I think a lot of people are looking for John Morant to have huge game. Under 27 and a half, if that number's out there floating around, hopefully on DraftKings. Same can be sent, that same number I'm thinking about for Trey Young on Saturday when he's back at the Garden against the Knicks. Everyone's going to think Trey Young's going to shoot the lights out. He had a 4 for 15 game earlier this week. So again, look out for the under, trying to sucker you in on a Trey Young bet against the Knicks. So again, 27, 25, somewhere around there, the underplay there. And one other one, again, we're getting super specific. Butler and Villanova play on Saturday. Noon tip-off, Big East game. If you watch Big East basketball, man, there was a matchup between UConn and Seton Hall. It was the game of the year less than a week ago. Play Butler when they get down to Villanova. So this is like an in-game action play. If Villanova's about up by like six or eight against Butler, maybe in the second half, see if you can get some action on Butler because Villanova had a monster lead against Xavier. And they should have lost that game against the Musketeers. They almost blew that game against Xavier on Wednesday night. So that's my little fun play. Very super specific. I don't even know if you can even parlay those. But under John Moran points, under Trey Young points, and an in-game play for Butler. Man, I love wagering on my phone. All right, catch you Mohawk Honda this Thursday. Hideaway this Sunday. YouTube, download, subscribe, rate, and review. All that stuff. Talk again soon.